The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's pray, and Pastor will bring the message entitled, Our Thoughts About Life. Well, as we're getting ready here over the next couple of weeks to wrap up this series, What's On Your Mind? We've been looking at, really, what is it from God's Word that is supposed to inform the thoughts of our mind, the thoughts of our heart? And we've been saying for several weeks now, too many Christians attempt to change their behaviors without ever changing their thoughts and beliefs regarding those behaviors. And, uh, and what we've been talking about is, is that'll never work. It's impossible uh, to change your behavior, to change your lifestyle, without changing the thoughts about those things and the values and the motives regarding those things, all right? The Bible tells us in Romans 12 that we are transformed, how? By the renewing of our mind. And so we are taking this thought and we're looking at the idea that changing our thoughts really is the secret to changing our lives. And if we want to change some aspect of our being, if we want to change some aspect of who we are, then we've got to ask the Holy Spirit of God by His grace to change that area of thinking in regards to that particular situation. Yet the truth is this, even though we know this to be true, the reality is most Christians don't think about what it is they think about. And so, as we've been talking about here, life isn't always about necessarily trying harder all the time. Often, it's simply about thinking differently. And today, we're going to be looking at our thoughts about life in general. As we saw a moment ago here in Philippians 4, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Notice this, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, here's here's the key word, think on, notice this, these things. Let's dive into this this morning as we study some thoughts about life. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter number 15, verse number 11. Here's what the Word of God says. These things have I spoken unto you. Notice this that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You see, the reason God gives us his word, he says, I want my joy to remain. If you're saved, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, the Bible says you have been endued with the Holy Spirit of God. That Holy Spirit has given you the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, as we see here in our passage, peace, and the list goes on and on. Notice this, that your joy might remain. Can I remind you of something today? 
Through the Spirit of God, you have access to all the joy that God has made available to you. And yet the reality is there are many believers, because of their attitudes, because of their thinking, because of their perspectives, they have lost, they no longer have experienced that remaining joy, and their joy is not full. It's not that they do not have access to it. It is not that it is not their inheritance in Christ, but their joy isn't full. It's not remaining in them, which leads us here to our first word we're going to focus on today, and that is simply the word joy. Joy. First Peter chapter number one and verse number eight says, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, I want you to notice this for a moment. Joy unspeakable. That's, that's not a phrase that we commonly use here in the 21st century. We wouldn't often say, man, joy unspeakable. It's not a term that often gets used, but we might say it this way. We might say joy indescribable. And so that's what's being talked about here. There is a joy that you can't even put into words. There is a joy that the Holy Spirit wants to make available to you that that doesn't even make sense. You can't even fully articulate the joy that the Holy Spirit desires for you to have because it's indescribable. It's unspeakable. It doesn't make sense. It's not anchored to your circumstances. It's not anchored to situations. It's not anchored to how you're being treated. It's not anchored to your financial disposition. It's not anchored to your health. God says there is a joy that he makes available to you that transcends all of those things. In difficult times, there is a joy that's indescribable that the Holy Spirit gives you access to. There is, even in the times of financial difficulty and you can't seem to make all the finances meet, God's says, I have a joy for you that's indescribable. It's unspeakable. I can't even put this thing into words. We can't even make sense of it fully. And he says, this is the joy that is available to you in Christ. Now, according to what we see from this passage in 1 Peter, from what we see in Galatians chapter number 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, I want to make this statement. That is this, we don't extract joy from things. Rather, joy emanates from your life when you are filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I I want you to zone in on this for just a moment. Most people believe that you extract joy from things. You have a relationship, and you try to get joy from that relationship. Uh, Some people think, no, that's why we have possessions, cars. We extract joy from the possessions God gives us. Some of us, we think, oh, we've got to extract joy from vacations. In order, in order for me to be joyful, in order for me to have joy, we, we extract it from relationships, we extract it from possessions, we extract it from vacations, we extract it from work. There's a plethora of things that we will look to to try to extract joy from. And many Christians believe that joy is something out there that I've got to attain to, joy is something over there that I've got to get to in order to experience this type of joy. And yet what we find in 1 Peter chapter 1, what we saw in John chapter number 15, is joy is not something that is out there that you need to extract from situations, that you need to extract from circumstances, that you need to extract from that, those things there. But rather, joy is something that the Holy Spirit of God gives you. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit of God that then really, what we would say it this way, emanates from a spirit-filled life into the things that we do. 
Do you see the difference? Uh, we, we, We might say it this way. Theologically speaking, we don't actually receive joy from things. You say, no, I feel like I get, I feel like I, I receive joy from my spouse. I feel like I receive joy, you know, from my children. I feel like I receive joy from, you know, my possessions. I feel like I receive joy from vacations. I feel like I receive joy from, I'm going to say this, biblically, theologically speaking, that's an illusion. We don't actually receive joy from things. We actually release joy into things through the Spirit of God. That joy, God says, it, I want it to remain. It's already there. I've put that joy in you. When you got saved, you were sealed with the Spirit of God. And part of that Spirit comes with that joy that's in you. He says, I want that thing to remain. He says, it's already there in Christ. You don't receive joy from things. You release joy into things as you are yielded to the Spirit of God. If we're not experiencing joy in circumstances or in a particular situation, it is not because there is no joy to extract from that. It is because we are choosing to reject the joy that God wants us to emanate or to release into that situation. You say, why is that the case? There's a lot of reasons for this. Because of the way you're raised, maybe because of the, the way you were conditioned as a young person, we could even say the way we were programmed or our past experiences. For many of us, it's easier for you to give yourself permission to release joy into your life through a certain set of uh, circumstances and not release joy into another set of circumstances because of the way you were raised, because of your past experiences, because of the way you were conditioned. This is what propagates the illusion that you receive joy from things rather than releasing joy into things. Because there are some things that are easier for you to release joy into. Some of you, it's very easy for you to release joy when you're on the golf course. (laughs) For others of you, it's really easy for you to release joy when you're out shopping. It's just, it's, it's easier For some of you, it's easier to release joy into a situation when you're with a person who's easier to get along with. It's simpler. It's easier for you to release joy into that situation. But can I say at the end of the day, that is an illusion. It propagates the illusion that you need a particular circumstance, a particular relationship, things to go a certain way in order for you to release joy into something. That is a lie from the enemy. You can experience a joy unspeakable, a joy indescribable in the midst of any circumstance. (laughs) Just ask Joseph. Uh, Just ask Paul and Silas after they were beaten and whipped. They were sent to jail and the first thing they're doing is praising God. You see, joy is not something that we only extract when things are going our way. Joy is not something that's limited to just those seasons where, where everything is the way we want them. God says, I want this joy to remain in you. And yet some of us, we allow this situation or those people or that circumstance to steal our joy. And we choose not to release joy into that circumstance, into that situation, into that relationship. And then we convince ourselves it's their fault. <laughs> It's that circumstance's fault. It's that situation's fault. 
It's those people. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Because we forget that joy is something we release. It's something that emanates from people who are walking in the Spirit of God. And can I say this? Like Paul and Silas, even in the most difficult circumstances, they're being whipped, they're being beaten for the glory of Christ, they get sent to prison, and they can still have joy. Why? Because they understood something that many of us often forget, and that is this. Joy has nothing to do with situations, and joy has nothing to do with circumstances, and joy has nothing to do with how you're being treated, and joy has nothing to do with how people are acting towards you, or how your spouse is behaving, or how your boss is behaving. That is an illusion an illusion and a lie from the enemy. God says, I want my joy to remain in you regardless of your situation in marriage, regardless of your health, regardless of the financial circumstances that surround you, regardless of any of those lesser things, you, through the Spirit of Christ, can experience fullness of joy that's indescribable, that's unspeakable, and full of glory. We don't receive joy from things. That's the illusion. That's the lie from the enemy. The reality, God's truth is, we release joy into things when we're yielded to the Spirit. Can I ask you to do something as an exercise? I want you to find something this week that you don't normally release joy into. That you don't normally yield to the Spirit in that area, and you're not used to experiencing joy in that situation, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want, you, I want to ask you to surrender the Spirit of God and in that moment allow joy to remain in you when you're not on the golf course and you're not at fashion fair and you're not having coffee with your BFF and it's a situation that is not that It's a situation you'd rather avoid, a situation you'd rather not be in. And I want to encourage you in that moment to yield to the Spirit of God and recognize that you, through His Spirit, can release joy into that circumstance. When your co-workers are being obnoxious, when your kids are frustrating you, when your relationships seem to be on the rocks, when the health isn't where you would like it to be, can I ask you, by the grace of God, to surrender in that moment, to submit to the Spirit of God, and release joy into that thing. It doesn't take a Spirit-filled, godly Christian to release joy when we're at River Park, or at, you know, Six Flags, or at Disneyland, or bowling, or on the golf course, whatever floats your boat, any worldly person can release joy into those experiences. It takes a spirit-filled, Christ-focused believer to release joy into the circumstances, and into the situations, and into the hard, difficult seasons of our life. And that is the opportunity that you have as a believer, as one who is in Christ. Joy. 
how Nehemiah tells us the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. That's the strength to overcome problems is that joy that remains in us. That's the strength we have to conquer the obstacles of life. It's that joy that remains in us. Why? Because it is the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. That's our strength to persevere through difficult relationships. That's our strength to persevere through the obstacles and trials and hardships of life. That's the strength to continue on when we feel like giving up. It's the joy that we surrender to, that we remain in, not just when things are going good, but we surrender to even when things are not going the way we would like them to go. And to surrender to the sovereignty of God in that moment. Joy. But let's move on. What about problems? Well, pastor, it's easy for you to say, you know, (laughs) after all, you're a pastor. And life is just so easy for pastors. <laughs> but if you lived my life, if you went through what I, if you had to go and work with the coworkers I work with, if you, if you went to church with the people I went to church with, <laughs> if you were married to who I was, no, we won't go there, all right. You <laughs> said so you wouldn't say such things. Because there are problems, right? I mean, and I understand that. I look around this room and there are people with very real issues. I look at Miss Lori Safford with her MS. I'm not trying to make light of the health difficulties that she's going through. That's a real thing. And some of you are going through real challenges when it comes to your finances or when it comes to your relationships. We're not making light of those things. But what we're saying is there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. There's satisfaction. There's fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. But how does that happen when there's the tension of problems? So let's, let's move on. What about problems? Yeah, it's easy when everything's going well, when we're on the golf course, when there's plenty of money in the bank and our spouse seems to be behaving the way we like them to behave and, and the kids seem to be doing fairly well in school. That's great. But what happens when the joy that needs to remain in us collides with the realities, problems, difficulties, obstacles of real, everyday, messy life? What do we do then? The Bible says this in Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou, God, will keep him in perfect peace, whose, here's the key word, mind, he stayed on thee. Okay, this is, what's on your mind? There's perfect peace for those whose minds stay on Christ. You see, in the day and age in which we live, it is so easy for all of us to get more obsessed with our financial situation than we get obsessed with the provider of all things. You see what I'm saying? It's easier for us to obsess with the health condition that we have than to obsess on the great physician who has the ability to heal and give sustaining grace through the health situation. It's easier for us to keep our minds on the problem rather than on the one who overcomes the problems. Where does your mind go to? That's what we're talking about. Perfect to who? To those whose mind is stayed, is focused, is, is fixed on him. That's why in the New Testament we're reminded, look unto Jesus. You'll always have reasons and excuses to justify focusing on your problems and focusing on the hardships and focusing on the obstacles and focusing on the difficult people and focusing on the, uh, the problems of life. But I'm here to say this, you always have a bigger reason to focus on Jesus. 
and to look to him who is not just the author, but also the finisher of our faith we have in him. Can I say this? Your heart can only be negatively affected by something outside of yourself if you allow it to be. It's a choice. See, I'm so frustrated by this situation. That's understandable on some level. I get that. But the reason you're frustrated is because your heart allows it to get frustrated. God says, I want my peace, perfect peace, to remain. I want that joy to remain. That's what the Spirit makes possible for you. Your heart can only be negatively affected by something outside of yourself if you allow it to be. Frustration, discombobulation, irritation, and stress, whether we like to hear it or not, is a choice. We don't like to be told that we choose. No, it's not me. It's that, it's that person. It's that situation. It's that circumstance. If they would change, if she'd be different, if, if he'd do what I want him to do, if, if, this, if this thing worked out the way I had planned it to, then, then I wouldn't be negatively affected. I'm, I'm just here to say this. None of those things have to affect your joy. No person has to rock, can rob you of your joy without your permission. No situation can rob you of your joy without your permission. No individual can rob you of your peace without your permission. Your spouse can't do it without your permission. Your boss can't do it without your permission. That other person in church can't do it without your permission. They can't rob you of your peace and rob you of your joy without your permission. They can't make you get all frustrated. That's a choice you make. Problems. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts, notice this, and minds through Christ Jesus. We're focusing on what's on your mind. The peace of God, notice this phrase, which passes understanding. This is a peace that doesn't even make sense. This is the type of peace where your friends are going to look at you and say, how can you stay calm at a time like this? How How can you stay rational with this going on, because you have access to a peace that passes understanding. A peace, literally, if we, we, we could say it this way, a peace that doesn't make sense. It's beyond comprehension. Like when people see this type of peace in you that God makes available to you through Christ and his spirit and the fruit of his spirit, they're going to look at you and say, you're crazy. You shouldn't have peace. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be emotionally stable about this. You shouldn't be exuding joy. That's crazy. That doesn't make sense. Well, that's right. It passes understanding. It's beyond comprehension. That is what you have access to in Christ. That's awesome. Even in the midst of your problems, even in the midst of difficult people, even in the midst of terrible circumstances, you can have just a peace. You can have a calm. I don't know if this is on the screen. If not, I'll just read it. But the solution to your inside problems do not lie in the outside world. This is very, very important. You say, I have a lack of peace. I have a lack of joy. I can't seem to love that type of person or those type of people or frustrating, difficult individuals. I can't do it. That's an inside problem, and you've got to own it as such. 
The solution to your inside problems do not lie in the outside world. You must break the habit of thinking that uh, you must break the habit of thinking that believes the answer to your difficulties is to control and rearrange things outside of yourself. I need you to focus on that. We've got to break this, this level of thinking, this habit of thinking that believes the, my answer to this situation, my answer to this problem, my answer to this difficulty is to control and rearrange everything outside. If I can fix my spouse, if I can change this individual, if I can control this circumstance, then, then I'll be good. You've got to release yourself from that illusion. It's a bad habit of thinking. Like, as long as I can control and rearrange things outside of myself, then I, can be, then I can be fine. The problem with that thinking is you begin to lie to yourself, and it begins to convince you that you can't have peace when you're not in control. Can I say this? You can have peace when things are out of control. You can have joy when things aren't going your way. You can love people who are not loving you. This is a possibility. This is the hope that you have in Christ. But as long as you believe the lie that you have to control and be able to rearrange situations to serve you in order to be at peace, in order to be happy, in order to have joy, in order to be able to love people, can I just say this? You're buying into a lie of the enemy that keeps you trapped and in bondage. The solution to your inside problems do not lie in the outside world. The answer is Jesus. The love that you're yearning for in that relationship is already yours in Christ. The satisfaction that you're trying to get out of a situation is already yours in Jesus. You can already experience it. You can already enjoy it. You can already embrace it in God. He's made it available to you. He's standing here like with his spirit and the fruit of the spirit saying, it's yours. Take the peace. Take this joy. Take this love that's difficult. He says, it's yours. But you're running around. No, I, I can only take that. If, if, if this person changes and this situation is different and these circumstances go this way and that way, then I'll take the peace. And God's saying, you don't have to wait. You can have it now. And most of us, we bought into the lie that joy is something we receive from situations, not there are things we release into situations as we're filled with the Spirit. And it leaves us trapped in misery, hopelessness, and despair. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Not because your life is perfect, but because I can make you perfect in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of problems, in the midst of hard relationships. I can give you a peace and a love that fulfills. So how is this possible? We saw joy. We see joy here. It's not something we extract from the world. It's something that emanates from a spirit-filled believer. Even when problems come along, problems don't intrinsically have the ability to steal our joy. They just pose the illusion that they can. And that's how the enemy uses them to get power over us because we believe the lie that we must control what's happening around us to be at peace and to have joy. And I'm here to say this, you can have peace and joy when your life is spinning around and chaotic and confusing and unraveling at the edges. You can still experience peace in Jesus.
That is what's available to you. But how? Word number three, faith. Let's talk about it. How does faith bridge the tension between joy and problems? And that's, that's what this happens. Well, I, I got to choose. I either got to engage problems or I can experience joy. No, faith allows these tensions to be managed so that like Paul, like Joseph, like Jesus, you can experience joy not apart from the problem, but in the midst of the problem. See, a lot of us as Christians, and I'm guilty of this too, we run around and we say, God, please change my circumstances. God, please change the situation. God, change that person. And oftentimes, God's looking down and he's saying, you know what, more than I want to change your situation, I want to change your perspective. And in a change of perspective lies the miracle. You see, God is a lot more concerned with changing your heart than changing the circumstances. See, we thought being a Christian was all about having like this, you know, cosmic genie up in the sky who will always do our bidding if we pray hard enough, if we believe long enough, if we, if we do the right things, we wear the right things and say the right things and go the right places, then, then the cosmic genie kind of owes us a little. And so therefore, we can, man, we ask, we pray for something, God better do it. And God's saying, I want to do a miracle. You think the miracle is me changing the circumstances. You think the miracle is me changing the situation. You think the miracle is me changing someone else. And God's saying, here's the real miracle. I want to change you. I want to change your heart from the inside out. So that you can continue to have joy even when your life is falling apart. And you can continue to have peace when you don't, can't afford the toys and you can't make the payment and your health isn't going the way it wants it to and your relationship isn't exactly what you always dreamed it would be. That you could continue to have peace. You could continue to have joy. You could continue to love even in the midst of that. That is the miracle that God wants to give to you. A peace that passes understanding. A joy unspeakable, indescribable, and full of glory. A love that doesn't just love people who love you, but a love that makes it possible for you to love even your enemies. To do good to them, to spitefully use you. This is the miracle that God wants to give you. But it's a miracle we often want to reject. No, God, you better change the situation. You better change this person. You better change this relationship. You better change this circumstance. That's the miracle we want. And we reject anything else that God in his sovereignty deems to be good for us. And so we continue to hit roadblock after roadblock rather than by faith. And God, I surrender. I submit to your sovereignty. I stop resisting. I'm going to stop trying to control. 
I'm going to stop striving and trying to use ulterior motives to make things turn out the way I... And I just, I, res- I surrender. Surrender to your spirit. Psalms chapter number 33, verse 21, speaks of this faith-joy connection when it says, for our heart shall, notice this word, rejoice in him. This is big. It doesn't say our hearts are going to rejoice in our circumstances, or our hearts are going to rejoice in the 401k, or our hearts are going to rejoice in our savings account, or our heart is going to rejoice in the perfect relationship that we have. Our heart's not, it doesn't say rejoice in our golf score, or it's not going to rejoice in our heart. It says, you know what, our heart's going to be able to rejoice in him. You know, this is a great place to get to where you can fully experience joy and happiness in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And for some of you, God is going to continue to rip things away, pull things out of your hands, strip you of things that would make your life comfortable because he loves you. Because he wants to convince you that you don't have to have that vacation and this hobby and this particular situation to go your way in order to experience this joy. Because as long as the enemy convinces you that you need something out there to be happy and to be at peace, he's got you whooped every single time. And the Bible wants to remind us, hey, no, it's possible to have joy in him and him alone. When you come to the place where he's all you have, it's then you find that he's all you need. For our heart shall rejoice in him. You'll get to a place where all of a sudden your heart changes. You're finding joy and peace in Christ. And even though your circumstance doesn't change, you're kind of okay with that. Because you have the joy that your, whole, your heart yearns for. You have the peace that your heart longs for. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't a situation you wanted to change. It wasn't a circumstance you wanted different. It wasn't a possession you wanted to attain. At the end of the day, what you really want... You want Jesus. And some of us just don't fully realize it yet. Here's why. Because you get that thing you think you want and you get it and your heart then yearns for something else. You see, the, our ego and our pride will always find something to be against. Something to get frustrated about. Something to get irritated about. Something to want more of. Something to want better. So anytime we attain some physical, outward experience, guess what? Our pride will just find something else to get frustrated about, something else to get irritated about, something else to lose our peace about, something else to get frustrated regarding. And God's saying, hey, that's why you can find peace in me. Regardless of what happens down here, you can transcend it. You can experience a peace that passeth understanding, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? How can we experience this? Our heart shall rejoice in him. How? Because, here's the causal word, because we have trusted in his holy name. Because we've trusted in him. Faith. When you come to the place where you recognize Jesus is enough, that everything he made available to you at salvation, all the fruit of the spirit that you have access to, that he's placed inside of you, and at any moment you can appropriate by faith, you don't need circumstances to go your way to be at peace. You don't need this person changed to be joyful. It'd be nice, but you don't need it to have the type of joy that the word of God talks about. When we learn that it doesn't, those things don't have to change, all that has to change is the posture of our heart. When I come to a place where I put faith, I simply believe that Jesus is enough, that his satisfaction is enough to satisfy, 
that what he makes available is enough to keep me secure and safe. That what he offers will give me all the significance that my heart so deeply longs for when we come to the place where we understand that Jesus is enough. When we appropriate that faith, we'll rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. I I don't have time today. If you want to jot these down, Psalms 13, verse 5, Psalms 21, verse 6, Romans 15, verse 13, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 8, and there's several more that speak of this joy Faith connection. That joy is not found in everything going the way you want it to go. That joy is actually found by appropriating, by experiencing God's grace through your faith, regardless of what your spouse is doing. Regardless of how the boss is acting, regardless of how the children behave, Regardless of how much money you have in a bank account, you can experience all the joy, all the peace, all the love that you need. You can experience, embrace that by faith. By simply believing that Jesus is who he says he is and he offers everything that we need for life and godliness. Colossians. We were singing a moment ago, Christ is enough for me. Some of us were singing it, but we don't really believe it. If we were to be honest, we'd be like, Christ and my spouse changing is enough for me. Christ and a bigger bank account is enough for me. We sing these songs, but let's just be honest. We lie, right? Sounds cool, you know. But we don't really mean it. I mean, it's just just a song. It's a, it's a theological reality if you'll receive it by faith. He is enough. He's enough for your satisfaction. He's enough for your security. You say, no, I need Jesus plus a, a boyfriend or girlfriend. I need Jesus plus a spouse that behaves. I need Jesus plus 401k. Jesus plus savings. Jesus plus a bigger house. Jesus plus a better car. Jesus plus better kids. Jesus plus nothing is everything. He is enough. I'll say this. I'll put put this on the screen. The primary cause for our lack of joy is not the situations themselves, but rather our faithless thoughts toward the situation. This is huge, my friend. Your primary cause for lack of joy, you want to blame it on your spouse, you want to blame it on your church, you want to blame it on your job, you want to blame it on your family. The primary cause for a lack of joy is not the situations themselves, but rather our faithless thoughts toward those situations. That is where the pain comes from. Your thoughts, my thoughts, our faithless thoughts toward the situation. Can I say this? Watch out for the thoughts that appear to justify your unhappiness. Be careful of those. Well, the reason I'm unhappy is because he did this. The reason I'm unhappy is because that happened. The reason I'm unhappy is because that happened at work. Let me say this. Beware, watch out for the thoughts that appear to justify or explain your unhappiness because what's actually happening, get this, in reality, they're actually causing the unhappiness. Your justifications, your explanations 
are not explaining the unhappiness. They are creating it because of the lack of faith that they project. Your excuses on why you're unhappy, your justifications on why you have no peace, they don't explain why you're experiencing what you're experiencing. They create what you're experiencing because your words are that of faithlessness and rejection of God's sovereignty. Faith. I want to say this as in conclusion, and we're done. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 3, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. <laughs> we want to think that it's all about what's happening out here. It's all about what's physical and tangible and flesh and blood. We convince ourselves that our real problems are not enough money, not enough resources, not enough stuff, not enough money. We, we want to convince ourselves we do wrestle against flesh and blood and tangible and physical. We don't. We'll throw this on the screens and wrap it up. When we attempt to bring a physical solution to a thinking and spiritual problem, it will fail us every single time. Some of you are trying, (laughs) you're attempting to fight this thing on a physical plane. And there will be a moment where the Spirit of God will lead you to do that, but can I say this, never before you allow the Spirit of God to change your perspective. See, I find that God does miracles through people who have experienced miracles. You say, I just need my spouse to change. I need my boss to change. I need my pastor to change. I need my kids to change. I need my coworkers to change. I, they need a miracle. And that might be so. But agents of miracles are always those who have first experienced the miracle themselves. They're at peace regardless of what happens. They have joy regardless of what's taking place. They understand and submit and yield to the fact that more than God is trying to change their circumstance, God is trying to change them, give them the miracle. And it's amazing that people who submit to that miraculous transition, the Spirit of God uses to then be a conduit of miracles in the hearts and minds and perspective of others. But rarely, rarely will you be used to be a conduit of a miracle until you first are experiencing that miracle of ongoing joy, letting that joy remain in you, that peace that passes understanding, that love, regardless of how you've been treated. You're, you're, like we talked about last week, there's just charity suffereth long. It's kind. When you've experienced that miracle, then the Spirit will use you to be a conduit of a miracle in the lives of others. But let's just be honest, don't even waste your time trying until it started there. It's just going to be an exercise in futility. Let God change you. And then you'll find that you'll, you'll start to see the change that you yourself, by the Spirit of God and His grace, is allowing you to be. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.